You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Yo! Welcome into the House of L podcast. I'm Lawrence Holmes. You are in for a treat in this episode. Why? Because it's another episode from Maddie Lee. I got to find new music from Maddie. Even though she's underneath the House of L umbrella, it's her own podcast that she's doing. So I got to find her new music. That'll be the thing that I work on next for her next episode. Find something that is more her style than my style. But I'm very happy that she's doing episodes for us here on House of L. And she's starting up her own thing. And it's great. Like some of the people that she's talking to and lining up for conversations about baseball and issues of of race and culture and really trying to learn and teach about what it's like in the world of baseball and covering the world of baseball. So I'm really happy that she's a part of the team and, and she's putting out great work just like this particular episode with Megan. Like that's going to, it's, I was listening to it before we we posted it, and it's really good, like, inside stuff. I think that you'll enjoy it, and you've got these two women are both covering the Cubs this year. It's going to be great to watch them compete with each other to get you the most interesting and pertinent news about the Chicago Cubs. As always, our sponsors are a big part of what we do at House of L, and I like to say, take care of the people who take care of us. 
It's because of people like Brendan Stadzinski, who is State Farm rep in Lincoln Park, and you should check him out. It's because of people like him that I can pay Maddie for what she's doing for House of L, which is the whole point. Brendan runs the State Farm office in Lincoln Park. His website is really easy. ChicagoSF.com. ChicagoSF.com. Here's the best part about us teaming up with Brendan. For every quote that you get on your insurance, Pause Chicago gets $10. You don't even have to go with Brendan, but if you get a quote from him, Pause Chicago gets $10, and he knows that his advertising on this particular podcast works. So, again, please take care of the people that take care of us. ChicagoSF.com. Also, my man David Hochberg, Team Hochberg, if you're buying a home or you're refinancing one, this is the person that you want on your side. He helps people out. He breaks through some of the minutia. He, he makes it easy for anyone who wants to sit down and, and get this stuff done. It can be a pain in the butt. Trust me, I've gone through it a couple of times, and David was right there with me when I went through it. Call him, 855-56-DAVID or 56david.com. He can help you. Homeside Financial is an equal housing lender. NMLS number 1124061. You know what's crazy about that? I did that from memory. The NMLS number I did from memory. That must mean that David Hochberg is seeping into my head. That is not good. That is not good. But he's good, and he can help you for sure. So hit him up. 56david.com. All right, let me get out of the way and let these two women talk about the game that they cover. I saw Maddie on Saturday because I wanted to drop off some, some gear for her. You know, I'm going to get her all hooked up with some of the electronic stuff. Like, I upgraded. So, let me be honest. Like, Maddie got hand-me-down. Like, she got a hand-me-down. But it's okay because it's a really good hand-me-down that I only bought last year. I upgraded to the Rodecaster Pro, which I am in love with. It is like having a new toy when I was a child. And the board actually looks like the game Simon. To actually have a an audio board with sliders, I'm very excited about. So I had an audio board for Maddie. And I said, hey, we're gonna, you're going to take this. You're going to love the way that it sounds. And she's going to play around with it over the next few episodes. And you're going to hear the difference in the way that it sounds. But I went to go see her. She's super excited about continuing to do important work inside the podcast. And I'm glad that Megan's back. I, know, I don't know Megan well, but I know her a little bit. Because she was here. She used to cover the Cubs and the White Sox, and I'd see her in the clubhouses. She's really smart. Uh, I appreciate what she did to help try and get Dick Allen into the Hall of Fame, and it's sad that he passed away, but I know that she was one of the people that was out on the forefront of that. She's good people, and I'm glad that, that Maddie and her are sitting down. So as I said before, let me get out of the way. Let these two women who know about the Cubs talk about the Cubs and spring training and what they go through to cover baseball. 
Maddie Lee is at it again here on the House of L podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of More Than a White Man's Game brought to you by the House of L podcast network. I'm your host, Maddie Lee. And today is our spring training edition because who hasn't been watching spring training games constantly for the past week because they're so excited that baseball is back, even though the quality of play isn't always up to standards because it's spring training, but you still want to soak up every minute of baseball because it's back. Um, that is where I have been at, if you couldn't tell. But instead of me just geeking out about little minor things that are happening at spring training, we're going to use this episode to dig into some of the big picture stuff, like the fact that spring training started on time at all. That certainly wasn't guaranteed. Or what that fact, plus some more current events, mean for CBA negotiations going forward? Or what's it like to be a reporter on the ground right now the first time that we've tried to get spring training off the ground during the pandemic? Because remember, they shut down last year, reopened in the team's home cities. So this is the first time since the pandemic started, really, that we have all these teams in two locations, right? Arizona and Florida, and are trying to pull this off. So to help me dig into all of that, Megan Montemiro of the Chicago Tribune is going to join me. She's their new Cubs writer and is on the ground in Arizona right now, can tell us all about what camp looks like. There's a lot of reasons why I wanted Megan on for this episode First of all, she's a fantastic reporter, veteran baseball writer. Second of all, like I said, she's new to the Cubs beat. And this is kind of like a homecoming from her because she's from this area. And I wanted to talk to her about all of that and her journey back home, so to speak. So we'll get into that. We'll get into the big picture baseball topics. White Sox fans. I know I just told you that this episode is going to be two Cubs reporters talking. Stick with me. Like I said, big picture stuff, still completely relevant, whether you're a White Sox fan, a Cubs fan, a fan of any other team, just a CBA nerd, or someone who really likes behind-the-scenes media stuff. We've got all of that for you, and I'm so excited. So let's just get it started and bring in Megan. Megan, thanks so much for being here, coming to us from Arizona. Yeah, thanks for having me. It, it felt like a good window to, to join you, and I'm excited. Yeah, so I want to get to more about your new job and, and the, your journey back there, but because it's all I've been thinking and talking about for the last few weeks has been spring training. We may as well just stay on that topic. Um, you have been in Arizona for about two weeks now, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Will you just give us the lay of the land? What's the atmosphere like? What's it like covering baseball with more access than we ever had last year? 
Yeah. So it's interesting, you know, because before I was covering the Phillies, so like the last six springs, I was in Florida for spring training, um, which definitely has a very, it's a very different vibe here in Arizona. Um, so just even getting acclimated to the Cubs complex, I mean, it's clearly state of the art and, and very sprawling. Has uh, the pitch lab, which we always hear about. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, the Cubs have been great. They have from talking to like other reporters covering different teams and in different camps, like, you know, they've been, you know, kudos to the PR staff. They've been doing the best they can for, in terms of access. Um, and it's nice too, because of the way that the complex is set up, like we can get pretty close to watch when they're working on like two of the fields in particular, um, where you're like right up against the fence. You can see what they're doing. You can hear some of the stuff they're saying, um, you can get a, a pretty clear look of like what kind of drills they're doing. You're not, you're not like up in the stands kind of right. looking down on things. So. With your binoculars. Right. Like, trying to figure out who's who down there. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is still hard. Like we're still trying, like, and especially for me, just starting on the beat, like coaches are wearing masks. So very hard to figure out sometimes who's who. Um, but yeah, no, it's nice. Um, you know, they have an area that, you know, we can watch pitchers throw their bullpens um so it's been really good in terms of like being on the ground and actually being able to see things because I know that's not the case in a lot of other camps um and even just like having the opportunity to talk to you know some coaches and players and and some smaller you know more chill settings like in face-to-face in person where you're not talking them through the screen because it just creates a whole different vibe and dynamic um for both ends like just the natural flow of asking questions and the other person is standing or sitting and, you know, it's more relaxed for them. It's they, they know like every moment's not being recorded. Um, right. <laughs> so yeah, it's been nice. Like having kind of that normalcy that we obviously didn't have last year. Um, you know, almost you know, getting a close, close to a year from when spring training got shut down um, last March. So it, it's certainly been kind of like a, a breath of fresh air, kind of having that sense of normalcy down here. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm just thinking, so just for the listeners, I have not been down to Arizona yet. So I'm still stuck on these Zoom calls. And I also haven't interacted with like people for not on a screen for weeks. Like, are you, have your social skills deteriorated? Like, what was that first interview like in person? Well, I think there is a bit of an adjustment in terms of like, the flow of letting your question breathe and like leaving that room if like the person asking the question has a follow-up because like in zoom depending on how like the zooms are run because i've been on ones where like you use the raising the hand function and someone will call on you um but otherwise like if you're just having to jump in and ask your question like it's very it's much more of a stilted interview it's and it's not really a conversation which is what an interview really should be so um, it certainly, you know, there's been a couple of times where like someone starts to ask a follow-up and like someone was already like getting ready to ans- ask a question. So it's just like that getting back into that natural flow. Um, but it's definitely nice. And I do think you, you see, you see a difference in kind of like the responses and answers you get. Yeah, I'm sure. I know I, over the past year, I've had to like really work up my trigger finger because I'm not good at unmuting. And, uh, for our listeners, the Cubs will do some other teams will do the raise the hand function, which I like even less. Um, and the Cubs will just do, if you have a question, 
jump in, but you got to be quick on that unmute. Yeah. Otherwise your question is not going to make it. Yeah. And like, and it is interesting. Like I think it helps having done some phone interviews definitely over the last year. So you still maintain some of the communication type stuff, like or you, you have those conversations and it's less, less virtual. Um, but yeah, I think it is, there is a little bit of an adjustment going from a year of interviews on a screen or over the phone to in-person stuff. And you've also got fans in the stands, um, which (laughs) we can talk about the whole showdown between the players association and the owners who were saying, we have to push it back. We're so worried about safety. And then they put fans in the stands right away. (laughs) But what's, what does that feel like for anyone who hasn't been able to get down to Arizona? Yeah. I mean, it's, again, it, it brings back that sense of normalcy. Like, you know, you hear people heckling players or cheering, you know, whatever. I know, I, I guess at the White Sox game the other day, booing for <laughs> right. rolling over the innings. Um, so I do think that makes a difference. I think it was interesting, like asking Kyle Hendricks, like did take, the other day when he started, he made his first spring start in Peoria. Like, did it, was it an adjustment? Like, were you hearing a lot of things on the mound going from, you know, background fake crowd noise to the real thing? And and he said he was actually surprised that it didn't, like, bother him or it didn't take as much of an adjustment as he, he thought it would. That, be, you know, it ended up being like a situation where you pitch in front of people your whole lives. And so going back to that, it wasn't a drastic change as, as it was the other way. So I thought that was interesting, but yeah, definitely, you know, David Ross said the other day that he could hear, you know, some fans wearing out their pitchers. So I think everyone appreciates and enjoys kind of having that environment back. What's the best heckle you've heard? Well, I know, I, I think I saw a couple of people tweeted, tweeted it. I know I wrote it, but it was like the, Hey Rizzo, if, if you, <laughs> if you get an RBI, I'll, I'll buy you a pizza. Um, trying to get some other ones there. I heard someone use the belly itcher, you know, yep. <laughs> pitcher, pitcher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I heard that one. Um, some, some, I remember, uh, there, and I will say Cubs fans traveled pretty well to the first road game. Cause I, they were booing, um, one of the, the other team's players. So mid season form on that one. Oh, shout shouts out to <laughs> yeah. Cubs fans. Um, <laughs> Also, well, I don't know about you, but I really was not ready to believe that we were going to start spring training on time up until like maybe the last week when we saw the Cubs actually move physically moving their stuff down there. And I was like, okay, like this isn't just more of the same. Um, what, I mean, what were you expecting? How do you think of the whole showdown between the players association and the owners where we had the players saying hey if we can start on time let's start on time and the owners the athletic reported that someone from MLB had had uh, encouraged people from the cactus league to say we should push this back you know classic classic MLB um what was your experience of all that? Um, well, on a selfish level, I was hoping to get pushed back because it would make my moving situation from Philadelphia. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. In Chicago, a little easier. Um, I'm not surprised. I mean, at this point, especially with the collective bargaining agreement, you know, ending at the end of the season, like at least, you know, on the, on the player association side, like, you know, they're not going to give up anything like, you know, at this point where you're about to be entering a negotiation period to begin with. So, you know, clearly there was going to have to be some give and take that, you know, players thought that would benefit them on some level. And clearly, you know, between the, the, the no DH and, you know, expanded playoff situation, clearly I think it's obvious both sides are kind of preparing to, to dig in and uh, it could be a rough winner, but um, I, I'm not too surprised that things end up, going off on schedule because again, like the league really didn't have much standing unless, you know, either the union agreed to that or there was some sort of public health situation like last year that would warrant it. And I think once, you know, the vaccine started rolling out more across the country, I think that argument started to lose some weight. So I'm not really surprised by how it ended up turning out between, you know, starting on time as well as, both sides, especially the players union kind of digging their heels in rightfully, I think. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you, the MLB comes in with their proposal, like a couple weeks before spring training is supposed to start, you have players who are ramping up with mm-hmm. a certain date in mind, especially pitchers who, who have had a rough go of it for the past year in terms of trying to figure out their schedules and, and how to, stay healthy and not overwork their arms during these downtimes, but also be ready for the season and being like, Oh, never mind. I know you were ready for spring training, but like wait another month. (laughs) That that doesn't seem like, unless, unless there's, and I'm not trying to downplay COVID obviously 
spiking numbers in Arizona. Mm-hmm. They were really bad at the time. They're still pretty bad. Um, but when they're already committing to a sort of bubble-like setting, it kind of rang, the reasoning kind of rang hollow. Right. And I, and I think too, like, yeah, like this was something that needed to be decided by January 1st. Like they needed uh, to make a decision on this back in December um, and being in this limbo wasn't helpful for anybody. Like, you know, going from players to even like, you know, traveling secretaries and, and clubbies that are having to like, you know, deal with housing stuff for people in the organization and players or, and getting equipment down to the respective training sites. Like, yeah, this was something that, that needed to be plotted out in December if, if things were going to get pushed back. So yeah, once you got into like January, mid-January, it's, it, it seemed like that would be hard to then reverse course and say like, oh, oh wait, you know, right. we're pushing back by a month, you know, forget what you've been doing. So yeah, I mean, I think, I think this, as, as serious as the situation still is, you know, with the virus, that I think it was just too hard logistically to change things that late. Yeah, for sure. You, you mentioned the CBA. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you expecting from those negotiations? Is strike? I know that word has been flying yeah. around. Is it too, is that too strong of a word? Is it too early to be talking about that potential? I mean, I think it's reasonable to be wary of that and think like this, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. I remember now I can't remember if it was last spring or the spring before, but I remember, um, you know, at the time I was at the athletic and, you know, we, every spring we've been trying to do like player polls and stuff. So I remember one of the questions that I was asking guys on the Phillies, um, was, well, do you think there will be a strike when, you know, the CBA expires? And so this would have been a year or two ago. And the consensus was pretty split. And part of that was for people who said no, is that there's so many different, you know, type of factions within the union. You have the guys that are the veterans who, you know, don't want to get screwed over by, you know, having to take deals late because, you know, advanced metrics aren't favorable towards them. And you have, um, younger players who, you know, maybe they want to earn a little bit more, more money pre-arb. You have the, the, the other group where, you know, it's more beneficial for them to reach free agency as soon as possible. So, like, there's so many different factions or, you know, values that different players want. And that makes it very hard to come, like, kind of in a unify, unify, unifying thing where it's like, yeah, we'll strike and risk not getting paid. Like some guys might not be able to afford to do that. So um, negotiating that, I think is going to be interesting to see like how well does the union band together and, you know, talking to even some, some old timers, you know, who went through previous strikes or, you know, work stoppages talked about the same thing that it's very hard to keep a group that big, that together especially when it gets potentially to the point of losing money. So yeah. that that's, I think that's going to be interesting, like how seriously, you know, they, they want to try and stick together and make significant change to the next CBA. Makes a lot of sense. And now thanks to um, Kevin Mather, the yeah. former Mariners CEO who went on a very disturbing uh, 
I guess talk, I was going to say tirade, but what, like, it was such a casual talk in which he was just dropping conversation. uh, Yeah. Just like, oh yeah, let's casually have a conversation about how I don't respect, uh, I, player's ability to learn a second language. (laughs) So that, like, that stuff was, was all very upsetting. Mm -hmm. Um, but the real CBA, I guess, uh, mover would be the service time right. conversation, which he very explicitly addressed. Yeah. Um, I, and I've thought a lot about this since that all went down, and I haven't come up with an answer. I'd love to hear if you have one. How do you fix service time manipulation in just rules in within the CBA? I can't figure out a way to put put in a rule yeah. that that is i guess immune to service time manipulation i think so i think i, I honestly i can't remember if i saw someone tweet it or it, it must have been someone i saw tweet it but the one that the idea that kind of stands out to me i don't know exactly how you would work it but like a player is uh becomes a free agent at a specific age so like say like once they turn you'd have to like determine like their age like 27 season or whatever right you have to determine like and say okay like when this player reaches age 27 season they become a free agent so it's on you like if they so you have them for a set period you know how long you have them and now like there's there's good and bad to that and that some players you know might not have peaked at that point like they might not be getting the same value that they could get two later but then you know they have the prerogative to to sign maybe like a one-year deal and you know prove that they're advancing but then I think that would help in that no matter whether you're now so so it would hurt some guys like the Juan Sotos who come up at 21 right um although on some level it'd be right around the age that they would become free agents anyways under the previous system but like say like I'm trying to think of an example um, but maybe like a college age guy who, you know, maybe like an Aaron Ola who, when he came out of LSU, you knew he was going to go through the system really quick. He was in the majors a year, a year and a half after he got drafted. Um, so, you know, like you have these guys until they turn this age. And so I think that would, um, prevent some of that service time manipulation because it doesn't if you suppress them and keep them down, that is only hurting your team. Right. This person, this dude is still going to become a free agent in four years. Now, do you want to maximize his time and talent with you in that time? Then yeah, you should call him up as soon as he's ready. So I think something under that parameter where it's age-based and, you know, you find that middle ground where players are not, are still hitting free agency when they're still on their younger side. They're not 30 and, you know, like, you know, teams viewing them that Over they're, the hill. <laughs> they're beyond their prime at that point. Like, I think, I think that like finding that age, I think 27 ish where, yeah, you, you have until this time better make the most of it because at that point, this guy can become an agent. Yeah. I like that because I've seen other proposals that are like, just change what qualifies as a year, but it's like, we're, they'll still do the same stuff. It'll just, right. it'll just look a little different. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like, 
if you do it, if you do that, like that set parameter where it's like, this guy's going to be a free agent, whether you call him up or not. So from a team perspective, you should want this guy on your team because it's not going to matter anyway. Like it's, you're, you're not as an organization, you're not benefiting from him staying in triple a two months. Right. Right. I like that. Yeah. So I don't know. Shout out to Twitter. If someone <laughs> tweeted that I have, I think it showed up on my timeline and I saw it. That's a good idea. <laughs> Shouts out Twitter. Usually yeah. you're the worst, but this time you came through. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I saw that. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna have to do like a Twitter search and see if I can find who tweeted it before. Cause I, I do like that idea. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's the best I've heard so far. Mm-hmm. Well, let's change directions <laughs> a little bit and talk more about you. Um, you are from Cary, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Northwest suburbs of Chicago. And have been covering the Phillies for the past six and a half years or so, most recently with The Athletic. Um, Will you walk me through when you found out that this opportunity might be a possibility and and then to coming back home? Yeah. So um, Paul Sullivan, uh, columnist, covered obviously the Cubs for a long time. Um, He, like, reached out to me and said, hey, like, this – job I think is coming open um you know I want to put it on your radar you might be hearing you know from the editor um you know so just want to give you kind of a heads up um so like you know at that point I obviously I wasn't looking to leave the athletic or um you know trying to force my way to get back to Chicago or anything like that so um I definitely wasn't expecting it it kind of had transpired pretty quickly over maybe like a two month span. Um, so, it, you know, it, it's tough cause you always have to weigh like, you know, I, and I think one thing most people would say during a pandemic, during the pandemic the past year, like it, in some cases it makes you appreciate your family and miss it more. And like, you know, I hadn't been home really. I'm trying to think even when before the pandemic started, I think it was before the pandemic started that I really went home. I think I went once in October and that was a, and that was like wearing a mask every day around my parents. Um, right. <laughs> so, you know, I think that is something that, you know, I really thought about and waited. And then obviously the opportunity to work for the Chicago Tribune was an amazing opportunity. And um, my grandpa and his brother worked at the Tribune on the news side uh, back in the day. That's pretty cool. So like, you know, that was the paper I grew up reading. And obviously I know, you know, the, the newspaper industry has changed over the years, but, you know, I think the Tribune is still the Tribune. And, you know, to me, the covering the Cubs is, you know, basically the premier beat there in my mind. So, um, yeah, so it, it kind of happened on, uh, definitely unexpectedly and then kind of happened pretty quickly. Um, so, yeah, I've been on the job officially, like, three-ish weeks, I think. Um, so... I'm going to catch, catch up on uh, the team and get up to speed on things, but it's been fun so far. Awesome. And, and like such a weird, th- obviously the best time to start a beat is at the beginning of the season, but right. you haven't been in and around <laughs> Chicago or anything. Right. Like, have you had that? Like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm here kind of moment um not not really because like before coming down to Arizona like I was covering stuff from I'm still in Philly right now at the moment I don't I don't move to Chicago until like later in March um 
So covering like press conferences about the Cubs in my apartment in Philly, like <laughs> was just very weird um, feeling. Um, not to mention, I'm like, okay, I got to make sure the time difference that I'm not like missing the call. Right. <laughs> um, so I don't, not really. I think it will hit more like probably on opening day and being back at because um, I covered the Cubs from like 2011 to 2014 for a suburban paper. Um, so it does help like, like Jed Hoyer was with the organization at the time when I covered it. And um, so like, there's some like familiarity and in, in knowing who people are and having spoken them, <laughs> spoken, spoken to them before taking this job. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a little bit of a, a transition period right now. And I don't, yeah, I don't think it'll hit me until opening day. Yeah. For me, it was, because I moved in May. So I still had months before we actually ended up at Wrigley. Um, And I had gone to school here and had done one of those little Wrigley tours where they take you in the back and you see all the cases and then come through the press box. And at the time I was like, I made a promise to myself. I was like, I'm going to work here someday. But it was very much like, as a, you know, I'll probably be covering a different team, but I'll come through. Um, And so that first day of summer camp, walking in and being like, oh, this is, I've been here in this press box, like flashing back to that moment was pretty cool for me. Um, Even though it was not at all how I pictured it, right? Like I thought, you know, maybe there'd be fans in the stands or something. Maybe uh, we wouldn't be starting the season in the middle of summer but yeah you know I'll take it yeah no it's definitely one of those things that like yeah once you're there is kind of when it feels real especially when things have been done you know the past year remotely for the most part yeah yeah for sure um well I'm really excited to someday meet you in person since yeah. we've been on a million Zooms together. And yes. I was thinking about it. Well, so you're the first woman to cover the Cubs beat for the Tribune. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking about, I don't think I have ever been on a beat before where there was another woman covering the team, another female writer covering the mm-hmm. team full time. Um, so I'm selfishly really excited <laughs> about that. Yeah, no, it's always exciting, like, you know, when you encounter diversity on the beat, um, and especially to, like, you know, as probably most women have experienced at some point during the career, like, being the only woman or minority in the locker room, um, at least in a reporter sense, um, like, yeah, it's definitely nice when you, when you get some of those different faces in the clubhouse, and I think it's good, too, for, like, the team you cover and, and the people you know, reading about the team that they're getting different perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got, we've got a good, I'm excited about what we have in Chicago. We've got a good mm-hmm. mix on the Cubs beat between ages, races, yeah. And gender. Yeah. It's a pretty good mix. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's all I have for you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, and thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Thanks to producer Lawrence Holmes and I'll see you guys all in a couple weeks. Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.